This is Coda Radio, episode 332, for November 2nd-ish, 2018. Get it out of here. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and the business of software development and its related technologies. This episode is being recorded at least for one more week in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. My name is Chris, and joining me every single week is the man who I hope is defending his home from the invasion of Jar Jar Binks. It's our host, Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike. In a world where Gungans take down your stream, there is one man, one man alone in the Pacific Northwest with great hair. I mean, have you seen his hair? Actually, I think it's Alan Hello, Jude. Chris. He's the stream fixer. Yeah, we have stream woes yes. today, don't we? What's the point of doing a live show if your stream doesn't work? Can you? I don't, that's true. I don't get it. doesn't make any sense. Well, that's okay, though. The show goes on live or not. If, even if it's just you and me talking to each other. Even though I didn't hit record, it'd probably be We quiet. have Twitch, which I did not know until today, 332 episodes later, <laughs> I found out we're on Twitch. There you go, buddy. You know, we got to keep, uh, we got to keep it up, we got to keep up with the kids. You know, those kids that are interested in the coding. We you know re- what? I went to Twitch.tv. There's some weird stuff going on there, man. It's a whole nother world. It's a whole yeah. other internet. It really is. Well, Mr. Dominic, we are uh, assembling a little early. Um, it'll go out probably around the regular time, but we're assembling a little early because you and I are traveling this week. And um, as, as fortune would have it, we've really had quite the series of stories develop in the last few days. Plus, we've gotten some feedback. We got some tools. And we got a great question coming in on Twitter that we're going to answer this week. I think, I think, Mr. Dominic, we have ourselves a special Friday edition of the Coda Radio program right here. Uh, I think that's... TGIF, baby. There you go. There you go. All right. So... Business? Why don't we start with a little bit of Hoopla? Let's do the Hoopla first this week. We'll get to the feedback later. Let's get to the Hoopla right. first. Because um, that's going to, the Hoopla will play into our larger topic of the week. But let's start with Apple's big news this week Lana Del Rey. La- yes, there was, wasn't there? <laughs> there was. Yes, there was. <laughs> um, it, it, it really was, uh, it, to sum it up, it was a Mac Mini and iPad Pro event. There was a MacBook Air also introduced um, at the uh, 100 million number was thrown out there for the active Mac, active Mac user base. All these like other little tangential things, but you and I, before the event kicked off, were really kind of wondering what's going to happen with the Mac Mini, because this is really the developer's entry machine. If you're going to get into the Mac ecosystem and you already have a monitor, why not get a Mac Mini? Well, until this week, it's been really kind of a joke, the machine. It's been so um, ignored. It's been so behind behind the technology curve. It's been so out of date. Like, I mean, I could just go on, you know? And now we've got a system here that, uh, is pretty respectable, I think. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, this is actually a decent um, sub-iMac Pro workstation, provided you don't do anything where you need a GPU. Right, or, you know, if you get the base model, it starts with an i3. So your pricing your pricing's interesting. Comes in with two base models, $799, and then one that's 1000 So this is the base entry Mac now, right? So if you want to just, you just want to be able to run Xcode, sign some apps and make an iOS app, your minimum, you're spending $800 before tax. And that's a i3 processor, eight gigs of RAM, and only 128 gigs of storage, which is 
basically not enough to use Xcode. So you kind of have to spec that thing up. You have to bump that one up. The next, the next sort of a nice tier is a six core Mac mini. That's respectable with 256 gigs of storage and an i5. That's not great, but it's, it's usable at that point. That's only eight gigs of RAM though. Yikes. Eight gigs of RAM. Yeah. I mean, I, I think to be serious, you're spending at least $1,500 to $1,600. Yeah, um, yeah, just just to get into the range of like reasonable. So my Mac Mini with a six core base processor and 32 gigs of RAM and 512 gigs of SSD storage would work out to be nineteen hundred dollars. Yeah, that's a lot for Apple's cheapest Mac. I mean, I mean, I know this is. I think I think what maybe the conversation we ought to have is should we stop talking about price? Um, it just, we just accept that if you're buying Apple gear, it's expensive. And, and even well, there's at 20%, right? yeah. I mean, that's basically what you do. You didn't think they were going to do this though. You didn't think they were going to update the Mac mini. You didn't think there'd be much in the way of Macs at all, except for you thought yeah. they'd do an iMac. You got it all wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was uh, completely wrong as is per my usual. <laughs> um, you know, every, everybody expected the iPad pro cause the whole thing leaked, right? I mean, you could look at pictures of that on Mac rumors and there's some interesting I want to say there's some interesting development stuff with the iPad Pro, but there's always that will Apple actually let you do it factor. And I am actually going to try to find that out. Did you get one? Yes. You you and I both ordered one immediately, I believe. (laughs) Yeah, I did. (laughs) And and where, perchance, did you order one from if I had to? Oh, you're going to out me like that on the show? Bro. Got to get even. All right. (laughs) Okay. I suppose it's fair. I'm actually kind of proud of myself. Because I completely forgot about the Apple event, wasn't on my radar at all. And so I was driving into work, like I do, doopa doopa doo. And I'm like, gosh, you know what, self? I think I'm gonna stop by Starbucks, gonna sit down, get myself some uh, bacon egg bites and a strawberry refresher. I actually don't like their coffee. Not to be that guy. Wow. I know. <laughs> What was that last? What was the last thing? The strawberry refresher. Yeah, I get a strawberry refresher. <laughs> yeah. Let's just keep moving. Just do it live. Okay. Just keep going. Okay. And uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everybody. And so I get my strawberry refresher, and I get my uh, bacon egg bites, which are killer. And crack open the old ThinkPad. I already feel like a bit of a luddite at a Starbucks with a ThinkPad, but I crack open the old ThinkPad, and I start to get to work. And I, I, I kid you not, the thing that tipped me off to the Apple event is I start seeing your tweets and I go, oh, that's right. I was going to buy an iPad Pro today <laughs> because I've been with I, my, my son's iPad broke about a year ago and about a year and change ago. And uh, at that point in time, I gave him my like I had like an iPad Air 2, you know, pretty old, but what do I care? And so I was like, here, Dylan, you can have mine. I don't need an iPad. So it's been like a year, year and a half. I haven't had an iPad and I uh, haven't missed it. A single bit, really. <laughs> so I didn't actually expect to be getting one, but as I switched over completely to the ThinkPad, and I've been, um, you see, I'm a VP now, and I've been involved in a lot of like meetings mm-hmm. and calendar invites and corporate uh, KPIs. You know, yeah, KPIs and OKRs. Not having a fully sophisticated, like fully realized mail calendaring application platform on Linux is rough because they don't use Exchange. They use Google Apps and you can kind of piece it together. Like I've got MailSpring and I've, I've used um, Natifier to Natify Google Calendar. And it's like I've got things pieced together, but it's kind of a shit show. It's not nearly as good as it would be if I was on Windows or the Mac. And that's just, just the reality of it. Um, if I was just connecting to an IMAP server and hosting my own calendar, it would be 100% capable. 
But when you're interacting with people and you want to check their availability and see what their calendar looks like and invite multiple people and pick a time and set it all up with a with a video conference and all of this, and it's all done over email or Slack, it's just much easier to have some of these more well-thought-out applications. I don't know, about September, I started thinking to myself, this is where I could see an iPad kind of being useful. And I started considering buying an iPad Pro back in September. Because I could do like some dedicated tasks on that machine and then use my laptop for my actual work. Right. And so then, but then it was so close. I was like, well, I got to wait now. I can't get the new iPad Pro because they're going to, I mean, I can't get the old iPad Pro. It's like two years old or whatever at this point. It's a year and something. Like, I got to just wait. And so I was just sort of patiently waiting. I was just waiting. I was patiently waiting. And when I saw your tweets about the Mac Mini, I realized that the event was that day. And so I, I, I quickly brought up the stream at Starbucks and was like, oh, okay, they're still talking. Store's still down. So I set myself a little reminder for 15 minutes to go buy an iPad Pro. <laughs> and so I went back to work. And then I just worked 15 minutes later. My timer went off. The store was back open. And I ordered the 256 with LTE, 11-inch with a pencil and a keyboard. Because I'm planning to essentially use this as a laptop on trains, planes, and uh, while traveling, and then when I'm not traveling, have it next to my computer as with just like email and Slack up or something. Okay, so we almost got the same rig. Then I got really? the 11-inch pencil keyboard. Yeah. Uh, what storage did you get? Uh, let me look at the receipt. I cried for a while. I after. know that was. I mean, that was bad. You know, ridiculous. This had better be, this could, though, 256 is what I got, yeah. It's just, how can you yeah. go, they go up to a terabyte now, if you're willing to pay in blood. And the thing is, is like, this is going to be a five-year machine for no, me. No, it's not. <laughs> I can assure you that it's not for me. Well, yeah, I mean, for ta tablets have a much longer lifetime with me. Like, tablets, tablets, True. I don't need a lot from them. You know, run my email, watch my videos. I did, though. I can't. We haven't even mentioned this yet. I, I, I did. I do believe the USB C is what pushed me over the edge, because I already have USB C for yeah. my laptop. I already have USB three for or USB C for my Pixel three that I switched to a couple of weeks ago that I never said anything about. And I've got USB C for several other devices in my home. So being able to put everything on USB C is great. But I also bought it with a USB C video adapter. So I'm hoping that I can go in hotel rooms and I can play MB or Plex or whatever on the iPad via the TV. And I can use it as, because the, these, these TVs suck in the, in the hotel rooms. They really do. And so I'm hoping I can use the iPad to like bring with, bring with me some shows and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, I did get the 256. You know, the USB-C was a big factor for me because now it, all of a sudden it's much more capable, right? You can engineer little IoT devices and hardware to work with it. Mm -hmm. USB-C is an open standard that you don't have to get permission for. Yep. I have a, um, I have a legitimate USB-C sound interface. It's like a right. USB audio device that I can plug XLR microphones into that works with other USB-C mobile devices. So I have pretty, because it just shows up as a USB audio device. So I'm pretty sure it's going to work with the iPad too. I may actually be able to do shows from that iPad Pro. Yeah, so I have to be a little honest. The iPad, this iPad Pro USB-C is the first Apple device in a long time that has made me interested in native iOS development again, mm. other than like people, you know, offering me money to do it, right? Now, do you, I mean, are, are you, how does the port translate to interest in developing for it? Well, because I don't need permission. That's a huge deal. Like uh. the, the biggest feature, right, the biggest feature for me on this iPad, other than the fact that it makes my 13-inch MacBook Pro look, look very sad because its processor is in some cases much faster, you know, 
you can just buy a USB-C cable and build your little IoT device as long as it also implements USB-C and do whatever the hell you need to do. That opens up for either line of business or just specialty uses. Um, you know, as right. you know, I've been doing a lot in avionics yeah. where I'm writing software that like never sees the light of day, right? I, I wouldn't say I'm dark matter. It's more the void. That's really cool where you don't have to call Uncle Tim and say, uh, you know, Uncle May I. Unless you want to be on the app store, then you just cry, cry, cry. But, <laughs> yeah. Well, what yeah, about, I, what about the fact that device drivers have to be present on the system? You mean you are limited in what yeah, they... That's It's going to happen, though, right? Device drivers, you know what? There are millions of people on Reddit right now working on device drivers. Hmm. I believe in that. Like, I'm not even that worried. Um, if you really have to, you could certainly roll your own device drivers, right? There are tons of developers who do that. Many of them are at BSD conferences, which I think you were just at if I... Yes, literally listen to it this morning. I'm correctly. wearing my Meet BSD shirt right now. Are you wearing your horns? Mm-hmm. No, but there's horns on the shirt. Awesome. So yeah, I'm pretty. Uh, I'm pretty, pretty excited. I mean, I don't know if this is going to sway. I'm at one of these crossroads, which I think we'll talk about in the main topic here. But certainly, the iPad. So you remember, Chris? I have a dream, or I had it. Oh, I do. A beautiful, you this dream? a beautiful RT dream, if I recall. <laughs> it was an RT dream. <laughs> Of Star Trek-style productivity tablets that basically control everything. I'd say house, but I, I really do mean Starship. And uh, uh, I, I, that kind of went like the Battle of the Binaries. It, it didn't go well. It was... I, I just didn't expect the cloaking or the lack of market share. <laughs> right, right. Or the fact yeah. that they would know exactly how to disable your entire power grid and drop yeah, your shields just, and weapon systems, and then destroy everything. Like, literally everything. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited. I mean, I, I, want, I, I still like have this paranoia of like, okay, this is a USB-C interface, but this is also Apple. Mm -hmm. So is there some weird like stuff going on in the OS that prevents me from doing what I want to do? So that's why I spent $1,000 to find out. I feel like I did this the wrong way in hindsight, but... In comic books, will look really good on this, and so will O'Reilly books. <laughs> oh, so even no. if it doesn't work, right? uh. like, I'm hoping. Like that's my fear. I'm hoping they're not doing something crazy with their USB-C interface that just like locks it down. No, but I, 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 th I think it'll it'll go the other direction. I think it will start limited, and then they'll open it up. You don't put USB-C on there just to not use it for anything. This is, I think, I could be completely wrong, and I hate, I hate to be this guy, but. I think if you took a 10-year view at Apple's product lineup, so 10 years from now you look back, you put the whole thing like on a chart, on a timeline chart. iPad Pro getting USB-C is the first strongest market indicator we have that ARM chips are coming to the Mac laptops. Oh, well, there's an even stronger one. You know what word we didn't hear during the entire like two-hour presentation? I do. In fact, I, I, yeah. I specifically noticed Intel was not mentioned at all. In fact, they just called the CPUs in the MacBook Air eighth generation. They didn't say Intel right. eighth they, generation. Yeah, they went out of their way not to give Intel any props. Which you add USB-C yeah. to the iPad Pro. You add USB-C only to the MacBook Air, where it's just got USB-C. So here's the great thing. Here's the brilliant thing. Apple plays the long game. I'll give you an example real quick. The Apple Watch with the Series 4 made the transition to 64-bit. And nobody noticed because they realized a long time ago. Remember they have that bytecode middle layer that every app has to use when you submit it, and then 
And then the yep. store builds it. We've talked about it before, right? And then the, yeah, we did it on the show. Yep. And that's, yep. That, because when they launched the Watch Series Zero five years ago, they knew in five years that they'd have in their product line a watch that was 64-bit. And so at the time, when they launched the app, the watch to the market, they said, you just got to use this bytecode middle layer. You've got to do it. You got to do it. And now they're requiring it for the iPhone. Right. Which basically what that means is they can recompile your code and theoretically they can compile it to ARM. Right. right. That's where this is all going. In fact, this if you listen to the long to a- game they play, they play a long game. Like ATP, uh, John Syracuse is very knowledgeable on the Intel roadmap. They have a lot of, he in particular, good information on bottom line if you don't want to know the details. And I have, I mean, we could talk about this in a, in a minute, Chris. I've been on the AMD Intel comparison thing for about a day now. Intel really screwed up a number of years ago, like about five or six years ago. And basically, they're just not the top of the game anymore. Right. I mean, they're good at some things. Like their Xeons are still best in breed, but... So you figure, in terms, you, yeah. you figure Intel is in is is stagnating. Yeah. Apple's uh, chips, um, something like uh, the performance increase from the iPad Pro last model to this model, some of the CPU compute speed improvement is like ninety four percent faster. It's ninety four percent faster than the previous model. On Geekbench, in certain benchmarks, it's benchmarking faster than a Core i nine MacBook Pro, two thousand eighteen edition. Yeah. So well, these I are very a... fast processors, and Apple's pulling ahead, right? And so if they're playing the long game, you start you start limiting all of the MacBooks to USB-C only, then when it comes time to switch those mother effers to ARM, you're not all of a sudden losing all your ports. You've already swallowed that bitter pill. You've swallowed all of the constraints of a physical yep. ARM device when it was an Intel device. So that by the time they switch it out to their A-series processors, the physical design doesn't have to change. The port layout doesn't change. Uh, you've already swallowed that pill. Well, and the, the advantages are, are pretty pretty substantial. Like, let me just give you an example. Uh, listeners will know, and I know you know, from about a month ago, my 15-inch MacBook Pro died, so I bought a 13-inch MacBook Pro. This is my travel machine. I'm on it right now. Uh, this, is, this is low-end. 2.3 gigahertz Intel Core i5, 8 gigs of RAM, 4 Thunderbolt model. It's the touch bar model. The iPad Pro I ordered is on almost every metric going to outperform this laptop. And it's, battery, too. Oh, absolutely. Well, ARM, I mean, that's the big thing. I think the next shoe to drop is our Mac OS apps to the Mac App Store. Once they tell you that those have to compile to bytecode, that's it. That's the tell. That's the tell. That's, that's the it. Canary. Yeah, and you have, in the meantime, you have that uh, framework that uh, won't be called Marzipan that is bringing iPad apps over to the Mac. Yeah. You bought, you, you know, I'm just saying. Yeah, I think it. I don't think it's a bad time to get the iPad Pro. I'm not here to try to sell anybody on iOS. I don't. If it doesn't work for you, that's fine. That, that's not what. That's not what this discussion is about. This discussion is really about potential developer opportunities around this. That's really the root of why we talk about this. Is what are the potential developer opportunities here? Or <laughs> also is just as much as part of this conversation. What kind of roadblocks is this going to create for you if you use this tool set? You know, there is a real possibility that the Macs that we're seeing in the next couple of years are going to be some of the last x86 machines. I'm sure they'll take a long fade out process, but uh, I, I, I think I think that's super real. Like, I, you know, next year we're supposedly getting a Xeon Mac, Mac, uh, I'm sorry, Mac Pro, not MacBook Mac, proper Mac Pro. Right. Do you really want to buy that now? <laughs> like, seriously, do you, like yeah. even I, who who spends money like a drunk sailor would be like, eh, I don't know about that. Yeah. 
especially if you're going to do iOS or Mac development, it seems like I, I think I would want to be on ARM. I think I would want to be where the, the hockey puck is going, so to speak. Besides, I mean, how could I buy a Mac Pro when I'm spending all that money on a new System76 Thelio? Okay, Holy so let's smokes. talk about AMD for a moment. Yeah, I mean, well, this is, this is AMD's moment to shine with Intel's uh, lagging. So are you familiar with the Threadripper series of CPUs from AMD? I am familiar. You know, I read the reviews. I follow the trade news. Uh, I watch the YouTube videos, but I haven't actually built a Threadripper system. But they're impressive. So, yeah, I went through this uh, playing with the configurator thing about the Thelios. First of all, I have to say, wow, those cases are great. I mean, these are great oh, machines. Oh, my goodness. So... If you haven't seen it yet, audience, uh, System76 has custom-built a metal and wood enclosing that is brilliant. The metal side is like that powdered metal with, and, and Carl tells me it's got like specks of metal in it, and it just looks really nice. And then they have two types of wood finish, a darker wood and a lighter wood, and it looks sharp. The darker wood is very classy, very contemporary, and the yep. lighter wood has a beautiful contrast with the black metal. And they tell me they've they've gone to a ton of effort to make sure there's not like weird gaps between where the wood and the metal meet. You just got to go to System76 to see it because it's it's probably one of the prettiest cases I've ever seen. Even the even the back end of even the ass of this case is beautiful. It's just yes. they've done a great well, job. Well, and, and we know how you feel. I mean, Chris likes his back, right? So. <laughs> I like the mountains, and they got mountains on there. I got it makes I got the feels for this machine. Yeah, I think I think this is a, a good machine, and I've read all the Reddit, and someone in the chat um, is you know not thrilled, but you know what? They have done a lot. Their daughter board is a pretty interesting approach. Which, if you don't know about it, go go ahead and check uh, System Seventy Six's website. Because it's not hyper relevant to to Coda Radio, and I and I think Linux Unplugged covered it better. But what really they have accidentally shown me, which I don't think was their goal, is that AMD has some impressive platforms right now. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, interesting. And yeah. Yeah. So like, I I originally went like, okay, Intel. Mm -hmm. Let me go. Mm -hmm. I was between the Core Seven and the Core X. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And then I was like, well. Yeah, geez, it's an upgrade to do Intel? Like, well, what's the alternative? And then I started going through this rabbit hole. And there are things that Intel's better at. There are things that AMD is better at. But dollar for dollar, you tend to get more raw computing power. And, and to be clear, I'm talking about once you get up to the Core X Threadripper level, right? Mm -hmm. AMD's system is called. Which they have available in the Stelio. They have several SKUs. Which they have available. You can buy an entire AMD system if you want. Yeah. Um, and I know that AMD, I've been told, supports open source a little more enthusiastically than uh, NVIDIA. So if you're going to do AMD, you might do AMD graphics as well, right? Which, for those who don't know, that's our whole Ryzen architecture platform. Mm -hmm. Look at you. You have been doing your reading. Oh, I, I, I'm so deep into the AMD now. Like, I have to success. I've always thought of AMD as like the the RC Cola to Intel's Coke, right? No, it's so, like the good old days where uh, AMD is pulling ahead again. They're actually competitive. Mm -hmm. and, and not only that, but in things that I care about, they're probably, I mean, I'm still not convinced, but I've sure looked at a lot of benchmarks. And I think on a desktop workstation that I'm going to be compiling a lot of C or C-like code, you know, in a kind of pseudo multi-threaded way, but really not that multi-threaded. It may be the case that dollar for value because remember, the AMD systems are, are slightly less expensive. Mm -hmm. um, and you can take that savings and get a real GPU. 
the Threadrippers are the way to go. Now you're st- now when I say value, you're still spending like twenty six, twenty eight hundred dollars. So you, these are not these are not low cost rigs that I'm talking about. Um, but damn, if these aren't pretty. So I have to ask Chris, what do you think I ordered? Did I order a Mac Mini? Did I order a Thelio? You and actually? If so which one? Ooh, you got one, huh? You got one. I said, if so, oh, if which so. one? If so. Um, Boy, that's a tough call. You know, specs. You got to give me the specs. All right. Okay. So let's see here. Let's see here. Let me think about this for a second. The Mac Mini would al- would give you the ability to have portable Linux machines. You could remote into the Mac Mini, publish and sign iOS apps. It, it would solve all my build issues, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah. However, our conversation recently has centered around getting a powerful desktop that runs Linux really well. And then something more portable that you could, it could be a Mac, could be a Chromebook, could be a Linux box. It doesn't matter as much. Hmm. Ah. Oh, this is hard. This is hard. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I'm going to go with cost. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Mac mini. Wrong. But there's a twist. M. Night Shyamalan style. I got nothing. Yes. Because here's what happened. I decided to get the Thelia. Really? But I decided they don't ship till December. Yes. And then I went down this rabbit hole of AMD and I got confused. Ah. So I am waiting and, and I'm waiting for one reason now. I want to see what USB-C hacking I can do with the iPad Pro. Hmm. If it's the case that there's a viable opportunity, I don't think, uh, I don't think my little MacBook Pro is going to be sufficient. Sure. Yeah. But I want to buy a Mac Mini anyway because it doesn't have a GPU, and I, I kind of want to do some gaming. Dude, Thunderbolt three, man! It's all about Thunderbolt three these days. You get a ah, uh, you know, I've heard so many stories about that like not working. Ah, I know. I well, ah, ah, I don't know. I've heard good stories too. Because here's the thing. Too? Here's the thing. The promise is almost too good to pass up. One GPU, and then you can share it across all your rigs that have Thunderbolt three. You get a laptop. Oh, with the it. temptation is there. Yeah. Oh. Right. In fact, Lenovo has a dock, a Thunderbolt three dock, like it just looks like a dock. Just a straight up like Thunderbolt 3 dock with a GTX 1050 built in, an NVIDIA graphics card. So you just plug in your dock and your dock includes a video card. Very tempting. Um, I also looked at the Thelio systems because uh, right now we have a big powerful rig up on DigitalOcean that uh, we're going to be using to do even more work. Uh, in fact, I'll t- I'm going to be talking about, about this more on uh, the Linux Unplugged show, but uh, a little tidbit for the Coda Radio audience. Last week's episode was the first Jupiter Broadcasting show to be programmatically published. Yeah. Every, really? Yep. Yeah, it went out. Everything, full automation. The full, all the publishing, fully automatic. Pretty cool. We'll talk more about that later. But anyway. So what, what Thelio, so I'm sure you spec one. So it ranges, you know, if I want a really great video card and, uh, I, and I get a monitor and a couple other things, I can get it up to 5,500. But uh, like a realistic, I could actually live with this rig, something that would be slightly compromising, but not by much. Uh, so here's what I went with. And this is, uh, this when is you like- you can upgrade these. That's the other thing. That's so true. That. That's true. I went with the, I'm going with Maple for that high contrast contemporary feel. Which one's uh, maple? I went with walnut. Okay, walnuts. Yeah, the classic. Wait, rich did you brown. go? Did you? Which one did you start with? The major or 
Um, yes, the major. So we the did major. the same one. So yeah. major, you went. Yeah. Did you go AMD or Intel? I'm doing Threadripper. Yep, I'm doing Threadripper. Okay, I did Threadripper too. I'm doing 18.04 for uh, the Linux Ubuntu for the GNU slash okay. Linux, and I decided to up it to the 4.3 gigahertz so that way I could get 12 cores. It defaults at 4 gigahertz with 8 cores, 16. Threads. I stuck with 8. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I 12 cores. I don't know. I mean, if I'm if this is a really long term rig, I feel like 12 cores. Well, I think that makes more sense for you, right? Video yeah. encoding Video is encoding, going to be more yeah. multi-threaded than... Yeah. Right. 32 gigs of RAM. 16 is just not quite enough. 64 yeah. would be my ideal, but I'm gonna, I am gonna—I can make 32 work for a while. Same. I upped the default 250 gig MVME. I upped it to the 500 gig. So, Same. Yeah, went with that. I did not get a second M.2, but I did choose to get a 5 terabyte 5400 RPM drive. Okay, interesting. That's just for like... Uh, media scratch storage, you know, like the larger uncompressed files. It doesn't have to be super gotcha. fast. It just needs to be large and store it somewhere. Went with the default 1300 watt power supply. And this is where I made my first major compromise. On the GPU, I went with the Radeon RX 550. I would rather go with the RX 580. Really? I went with the 580. Okay, so, so, yeah, so this really, is where I get lost. I think I should too. Where are the Radeons these days versus uh, the NVIDIA? Well, the RTXs are a little newer, but um, people really like the RX series a lot. And the RX series, for for my line of work, might be preferred. I don't know, though. If I was just going for gaming, because I'm not building the system to game. If I was going for gaming, I I honestly don't know if I could answer that. Because the uh, the RTX, I should say, 2070 is tempting as well. Uh... Yeah. See, I don't even know if I need a GPU, right? Like other than like just the minimum two gig one. So that's so that's why I mean I went with the 550 because I don't know what difference I'm going to see uh, between the 580 and the 550 for my kind of work. But if I was gaming, I'd be te- I'd be tempted to up it. Okay. Didn't do a second CPU and I didn't do a third or fourth <laughs> GPU. No, I didn't do any of that stuff. Yet. <laughs> they offer four GPUs. Yeah, <clears throat> and I didn't get their monitor because I that was just. Yeah, I saw you tweeting like, "Hey, can we see a picture of this?" I completely agree. Uh, so I think they've picked the the right size, twenty seven inch, two K, which is fourteen forty p, is that's the that is the sweet spot on Linux because you get a ton of real estate, but you're not going into high DPI territory. So it's all. It's all really fast on the on the on the machine. Everything looks great. Twenty seven inch two K is the best resolution for desktop Linux. It's m- magnificent. But they don't say what brand the monitor is. They don't say like they don't show any pictures of it. They just say pro yeah, so, IPS display. So Carl from System Six responded to me. It's a uh, Vizio, and we can put the exact model oh, in the show notes. I bet yeah. that's not a bad machine. Um, no, he. They said it's. Uh, they use them internally for color reproduction. So those things I don't particularly care about. Yeah, but yeah. you know, for, for I'm sure for video production things like that. I went with a two year warranty, which I actually think is a bit of a mistake. For fifty five bucks, I should probably go to the three years. This is a three, I went year three years because yeah. I tend to spill beer into things. Yeah, you do, and this is for me would at, at bare minimum be a three year system. Actually, for desktops, I I I think I I think I'm actually trending like a like a decade. With desktop PCs, because even once well, they sure, take them out of the can studio, you upgrade the RAM. Yep, and you can upgrade the GPU and the discs and the discs. Yeah, and even when I take them out of the studio because I maybe I can't go to the you know I can't go to a newer generation CPU without replacing the motherboard. Even when I take them out of the studio, they end up somewhere else in the studio building, doing another task. Like the only desktops that I don't have in production anymore are the ones that are like 13, 14 years old. All my other desktops that I've ever built 
ever Absolutely. are still in yeah. production. So I still have an old Mac Mini desperately trying to code sign things. Yeah, like, the only machines that end up just dying and going away are laptops. Yeah, well, they could, well, because it's such a pain in the ass, you can't repair them. Like, yeah, GPU goes out or something like that. Yeah, and it's and like, what are you gonna do? So, so I. Think so what's the damage? Years. So the total damage, uh, even though I'm with my compromised video card, but upping the warranty to three years. My total damage is $3,498. But you have a $700 monitor in there. No, I didn't. I didn't do the did. No, I didn't. <clears throat> what about you? My total damage was $2,864. Oh, so where did, where did you go cheaper than me? Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how Did you not get the uh, second uh, hard drive? I did not get the second uh-huh. hard drive. Yeah, so I yeah. got the five terabyte because I need that for scratch media. I got the cheapest one I could. It's 5,400 RPM. <laughs> yeah, so that that's that's where, yeah, that's... Yeah. How much are you paying for that five terabyte hard drive? Well, uh, let's see. If I if I go back to nothing, it's two hundred. So it takes two hundred ninety five bucks off. If I, uh, yeah. And I have the eight gig RX five eighty card. Yeah, that I don't have. I really want that too. Well, so how the hell did we end up? Oh, oh my, CPU, upgraded, my CPU. The CPU. Mm-hmm. You went for the higher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If yeah. I if I were to go back to your CPU, it would take off uh, four hundred ninety nine bucks. Yeah, that's so that's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Back to in the lowly land of, yeah. Yeah, I mean, seriously, the next time I want to get a Linux desktop, this is it. For real. I mean, I'm not, Same for me. I'm not I in mean, a position to I'm... order this right now. I'm pretty happy with my laptop, but uh, I, I have considered re- taking that droplet out of production and putting it here on a local rig, and this would be a good one. Unless I am seduced by iOS development natively because of the new iPad Pro, which is completely possible, right? Nobody's going to have, I mean, the show might be out before, but we don't, no one has these till the 7th. It'll take me a week or two to evaluate. But I think the Theolio Major is going to be the way I go. Cheese Bacon in the chat room says I should just keep the, just don't get the five terabyte from System76 and uh, get a higher end GPU and then buy a five terabyte drive for cheaper from like Newegg or something, which there probably would be a a good Black Friday sale. Yeah. You know, it is tempting. I got to be honest. It is tempting. If I, if I didn't, if I wasn't just perfectly happy with my laptop right now, and have the droplets doing the the compute work for me. The problem with the droplets, though, is I know that if I got if I got this AMD video card, I could do. The thing is, these AMD video cards are just super sweet. If you have software optimized for them, and I do, it would be really nice. It'd just be really really nice. It would make some of our it would it would make shows publish faster. And while we're working on automating things, it'd be nice to have it even you know snappier. So I don't know. I'll think about it in the new year, maybe or something. We'll see. Uh, we'll see. I. I got to see them, you know, I got to see it. I want to, I want to see, I want to see them, I think, before I really make it, before I make a nearly $4,000 purchase. It's just, a, it's a lot. Um, and, and that's like a minimum of five year machine for me. So that's a, that's a five, it's not only is it a $4,000 commitment, but it's a five year commitment too. That's, that's like, that's like a relationship. <laughs> but they, they say they might have me out in November. Oh, I guess it is November and later this month to, uh, Go down there and check it out. So we'll see. Maybe I'll do a show from System76. Oh, no. Big developments uh, for ASD Core, or ASD, ASP, ASP. ASP.NET Core. Uh, it's ditching the .NET framework, and it will be part, this is probably the bigger piece too, it's, it'll be part of .NET, .NET Core going forward. This is a shift. This is like .NET Core becoming the de facto .NET now. This is like what we're seeing here is .NET Core is, after a couple of years, emerging as the de facto future of .NET, I think. Your thoughts, sir? What do you think? Yeah, I think this is kind of Microsoft being very direct and saying that the future preferred version of uh, ASP.NET is going to be .NET Core. 
which I think makes a ton of sense because I, I heard from a very reputable source that the dirty little secret of Azure is that most of their virtual machines are being run on. Are you ready? No. Are you ready? No. Ubuntu. Oh, I thought you were going to say Mac OS. <laughs> yes, it's just a big old Mac Mini server farm. <laughs> Microsoft is deeply excited about the new Mac Mini. Now, yeah, so I don't know what to say. I like writing C Sharp. It is not a bad language. I don't like doing it on Windows. I like deploying to Linux. I like Docker. These are all things that make a lot of sense to me. Um, I think this is .NET Core as a platform maturing, which... Again, I really can't like complain about because it's good. It has been a little. It's been a couple of years in the making, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been around for a while. So, moving on, then let's get to the feedback. Let's let's get to the let's let's get to it. Uh, Eric tweeted us uh, at Dumanoko and at Coda Radio Show. I went back into the archives of the Coda Radio program, hoping to get some backstory on how you. And Chris both started your independent contractor lives. Can you or at Chris LAS point me to a blog post or a podcast episode? Because I only got back as far as 55. So uh, what do you say, Mr. Dominic? Should we uh, should we jump in the Wayback Machine and... Uh... Let's do it. I don't Let's know do if it. we've ever co- covered it in one concise, like, this is how we got started as independent contractors... So you want me to start? You want me to? I want you to start. Yeah, you're the best. Let's see that. I'm looking at your cheat sheet here, and I see that. Well, you know, um, I got I became an independent contractor uh, after years of being an employee. I started early on while I was still in high school, so I got like a really early start in the IT. Really, I started very early on when I was my when I was a junior, when I was a sophomore. Going to a junior, so like that, that summer, that summer becoming a sophomore, then transitioning to a junior. That's when I became uh, employed in the IT industry. So that was quite a while ago now, and uh, it wasn't until uh, a couple of bad jobs where I was kind of pissed off when I left that I realized I needed to change. And I think probably most of you will will recognize this part of the story. It's all about who you know. My mom was working for a company that had some IT contractors coming in and they were understaffed and the company that she was working for wanted more of their time and the IT company didn't have any more staff. And so she thought, well, my son knows IT and he hates his job. So, <laughs> so she says, Hey, why don't you uh, talk to my son? So uh, I called them up. They called uh, that. We had a little meeting scheduled and I talked to them and it sounded pretty good. It sounded okay. It sounded all right. I could do that. I could, I could drive around to different places and, and fix their networks and uh, as time went on, it turned out I actually had a good knack for that. And I started to learn the ropes because I wasn't directly an independent contractor. I was working for a company that would send me out and sort of learned like um, the basics of event tracking and ticket tracking and customer management, and that kind of stuff, and worked pretty hard at that for a long time. Really got myself up to sort of the upper echelon of the firm's best clients and with that came the firm's upper echelon of the most stress. <laughs> and I think I really was really worn down. And I was looking at my situation and looking at my health. It's just funny. Funny. I seem to re- history repeats itself now that, I, now that I tell the story. Like it really takes until I've run my health into the ground. 
And then once I've run my health into my into the ground and I've sort of hit rock bottom health wise, I, I do like this full life evaluation, which just happened a little while ago, once again. And um, I I realized, you know, I I could just take one client or two clients or maybe three clients directly, and I don't need to have twelve clients. I just need for me personally, I just need like two or three clients and I could, I could make enough money. And, um, it was with that kind of mindset that I sort of started thinking, well, who can I reach out to that wouldn't be competing with the existing employer, but I have a relationship with, or they know me, or maybe I know why they might need me. And so I just sort of took my time a little, took about a month looking, looking at that building out a contact list. And once I got three clients that were willing to hire me directly, I gave my two weeks at my uh, employer and I became an independent contractor. And then I just sort of applied the same methodology. I sort of whittled it down from three clients to two clients. And then as the podcasting stuff started taking it off, I whittled it down from two clients to one client. And then as the podcasting revenue started to make enough that I could at least stop doing IT. I wasn't making as much, but I could stop doing IT. Uh, I wrapped up that last client, which was sort of perfect because it coincided with them merging with another company that had their own IT department. And they didn't need me. So they gave me like, it was like a really generous, like six month, like you got in six months, we're no longer going to need your services or something. It was like this fantastically generous um, notice for a contractor. Cause you know, if a contractor, you can be called in an office and told you're done. So getting a six month notice. It was like, wow, this, this gives me a six month roadmap now to go get the JB revenue spun up to go do that. And so it was a series of, um, sort of reevaluating and then refocusing and reevaluating and refocusing. And then eventually went just independent doing the JB stuff, but it really started as an employee of another contracting company and kind of learning the ropes there and then, and then going out. I don't think it was absolutely necessary because if you have good customer management instincts and maybe you can work with somebody who knows how to do the books and you've somehow, you know, got a good ticket system, you don't really, you know, if you can figure that stuff out, you don't need to. But it was useful for me because uh, I had come from the corporate world and really that was my experience was dealing in the corporate world. And you, you, need, a, you need a different skill set to be a contractor, but it's not a massively different skill set. Like all your core technical abilities still apply. So it's just, you, it's an amendment of, personal skills and management skills that you have to learn. And so I was able to watch this company try that directly, also learn the things that they did that didn't work. And um, I sort of internalized all of that. And then when I took myself independent, those lessons I brought with me, and so I was able to do something that was more focused on how I work. And um, really, looking back at it, I could, I could, definitely now see a trajectory where I I grew that and I made that more successful. Uh, you know, hired some people to manage some of the clients. So instead of spinning down clients, I could have brought somebody on to manage that client for me and did like a revenue share and could have grown that sort of like Noah has grown all to speed over the years. But I'm fantastically happy doing what I'm doing. So no longer, in fact, I'm no longer even independent. Now I work for Linux Academy. So I've done a full circle. I've gone back to being an employee again. That's sort of my abbreviated story. I'm kind of amazed that I got it out that fast. What about you, Mr. Dominic? What about what about your what about your origin story? Oh, well, back when the gods were petty and cruel. 
Uh, yes, that is. And by the way, a storm just started, so it's perfect time. Holy for the story. crap! Yeah. Did you know I just heard a fact that uh, like you guys have eighty a minimum of like something like eighty thunderstorms a year down there, or something like that. It's yeah, just it's, re- it's it's <laughs> yeah, it's a little bad. So you know, like most nerds, I started programming around middle school, high school, back in the battle days. I then did odd jobs doing. Actually, I was a janitor for a while in high school. I used Amazing. to work after school. Yeah. And then after that, I went to college on a half scholarship. Half is the important part because, um, well, this is going to upset our new Linux overlords, but I would I was one of those college, co- uh, not co-ed, but whatever you call the opposite of a co-ed, who just needed a money. <laughs> so I started working at a company writing Java applets. And if you don't know what a Java applet are is... <laughs> then you're not quite as evil as I am. Or old. Uh, or old, right. <laughs> <laughs> They're right from that act- active X vintage. Yeah. And uh, you really should just be... So- I, I am to this day sorry for what I did. Uh, <laughs> it, it, like, it's bad. So anyway, worked there. you know. But eventually there was one of those uh, jobs that was like they'd hire you seasonally. What the company, and I, I won't say the name of the company, although they no longer exist, but their whole business was writing, remember marketing kiosks in the mall, which I'm sure still exists, but oh, yeah. sure they're like an iPad now? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, they would just run like IE, and we would write this Java applet software to take surveys from people. Oh, that was you. Again, I'm very, very sorry. Yeah. Um, the security vulnerabilities in Java applets are completely my fault. <laughs> so, moving on from there, I did a lot of web development until one day... Uh, an uncle of mine who was a little bit of an Apple fan. So at the time, I was a Windows, not really a deep Windows guy, though, because money. But like I, would al- I was always like getting hand-me-down computers. For, like, remember when like your local computer shop was still a thing? Oh, man. And slapping like Ubuntu 8.10 or 904 or 9.10, whatever the last one I used. I think the last one I used was 9.10. Um, and he kind of hooked me up with I- an iOS device and a original aluminum MacBook, whichever year. So that was around 2008 or nine. I started writing very, very rudimentary iOS software because at the time it was just rudimentary, right? The SDK wasn't that mature. It was brand new. From there, I launched a business. It did iOS development until 2014. Um, got up to 14 employees, ended up being a disaster. Moved on to more webby, Linuxy things. Now I'm doing a lot of aviation software, and I am again reevaluating what the next big project I want to take on is. So we had in our first segment about you know Mac Minis versus Thelios. The question for me right now is: Do I double down and go back to roots and do some iOS native development for a while, given that I have this dream that tablets will be productivity devices? Or do I double down what I think the opposite is and do a lot of uh, IoT, small, kind of embedded systems, uh, mostly running Linux? That's the abbreviated version of the origin story. Launched a few products between then and now. But, yeah. so. And it's sort of dramatic with that rain in the background, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty dramatic. Like, I will say, I, like, I, I've had everything happen. Like, I launched a Mac app that hit the top of the App Store and then got immediately copied. Oh my pop. gosh! Remember that? Yes. That we were already doing the show by then. Um, I got sued by a patent troll. I have hired, <laughs> fired, 
shutdown company. Yeah, I've done the whole... I mean, I have not yet taken the graceful out that Chris did, but I have to tell you, I at one point did get a job offer from a very large tech company, and I probably like wonder if I should have taken it as I see Chris with his wonderful executive life. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm still in the trenches, like trying to find, all right, what's the next product we're going to launch? What are we doing, right? Yeah. We yeah. just launched our radar system and selling that is, you know, I'm, I'm flying around the country trying to sell it. So, yeah, it's almost like, uh, you know, you go through phases. Like I could see that if I was if I was sitting, if I was if this was a job where I just stayed at the studio and I worked all the time, I would probably get too bored and I would want to do something more adventurous and I'd want to do something maybe more risky even, Cause, you know, I mean, got to have fun. You only live once. But uh, I kind of, I did kind of get lucky so far because, like, I, I just, I'm a little, I'm hungover, but not in the booze sense. I'm hungover today in the, um, in the travel sense because uh, we decided, Wes, Mr. West Payne and I, we ran down to the Portland Users uh, Linux group last night and went to, we attended their meeting, uh, j- you know, just, to, just to have fun, you know, it's just to change it up and you know, meet people in the community and whatnot. And we did, we got to meet a few listeners down there, and we drove back the event in portland ended at nine and it's a four-hour drive <laughs> for me home so i got home like at 2 a.m basically because i had to drop wes off too and uh holy crap am i exhausted today but it's it's th- that the, i don't know if i didn't do that kind of stuff i'd go i'd go batty i'd get bored i'd i'd go nuts so um you got to have the right you got to find the right cadence of work for you and sometimes that only can be accomplished when you are your own boss when you're working for yourself and you have to enjoy the adventure right self-employment is is let me tell you there are there are a lot more lows than highs right you're going to launch a lot more products and do a lot more projects that don't end up being home runs um in my opinion right i mean chris you know how many shows have you launched oh geez right good point yeah um yeah yeah, it took a certain lineup to make us a, a company that was worth purchasing too. To, and it took us to working on that for a while. I mean, that is a great point. Is like, so many shows. Like I gave you the example just from like the series of Macintosh apps. I've Macintosh. Wow, dated. <laughs> um, old, old Mac OS apps. I've launched Code Journal was a hit, but quickly failed because we had like five competitors in three weeks. Right, but it did all t- like all t- of all of them. It, it did well. Git Mask, which I don't remember if you, it was my master Git commits uh, app, which I intended to be used in a way that wasn't evil. What ended up happening was people were plagiarizing other people's work using it, and it was quickly uh, got a lot of criticism for that one. So yeah, mm-hmm. if you if you, I'm sure you don't know what it is, but it, what it would do is basically rewrite Git history. So the idea was. If you're a consulting company, you don't want when you hand over the repo to your customer them to have everybody's like email address. Ah. So you might change it to something like sales at the right? You just rewrite the whole uh, repo history. What I found out people were doing was taking 1099 contracting jobs with these contracting shops and then subcontracting their work and using the app to rewrite their the Git history to be their email address. <laughs> So, and then I got a lot of very angry emails from people who ran these contracting firms, rightly criticizing me for publishing a tool that, you know, basically caused them a lot of legal liability. Thank God for the end user license agreement on that one. Yeah. So that's, um, 
Boy, that's a that's a history right there. That's, that's what history. That that's, that's, <laughs> woo, we've done it all. That's good. I'm glad we brought the the Wayback Machine today. I'm glad we brought the Wayback Machine. That's good. So thank you, Eric, for asking. If anybody out there has a story that they could kind of put into like a three-paragraph, two-paragraph email, two-paragraph email, send it in, coder.show slash contact. I'd, I'd like so, to f- get that. Figure that out. Get it. So how about our tool of the week before yeah. we go? How do you pronounce this one? Is it uh, Goch? I was thinking Goch, like Van Gogh. Oh, oh, yes, of course. I was thinking Goch, like the Klingon dish that is best served alive. You know, you, you, you're very Klingon, I got to say. Like, today, are you Takuvma? Is that what you're about to tell <laughs> me? Yeah. <laughs> I am. You know that. Just saying. Spoiler alert. That is the super, just like anticlimactic. Then nothing happens with that. It's just totally like, all right. And now I'm out of here. Anyways. And season one doesn't count. We really should spoiler alert that though. Okay. Yep, so. Mm, Gah. So tell me about. Gah. So Gah is a way to bring honor to your. Oh wait, no, wrong thing. Uh, <laughs> it is a dish made of. Nope, wrong. It, basically, it's uh, terminal themes for Linux terminals. So on Mac, you can, you know, upload a terminal theme to your terminal. If you don't like the default theme, let's say you're on Ubuntu and that's just like way too much purple for you, you can go ahead, download this, and you can change to any any of these profiles. My preferred theme is tomorrow night 80s. <laughs> don't laugh. I'm not that old, damn it, Chris, stop. Uh, but yes, I do use Tomorrow Night 80s on everything, and this makes it very easy to put that on. But it gives you all the classics, right? Uh, you know, In fact, they have a special elementary OS one if you're not on elementary, but would like your stuff to look like it. Ah, that's nice. I have no idea. That's yeah. nice. So when, when you're visiting the Mac, you can still have it look like home. You know? Isn't that nice? I see what you did there. I yeah. see what you did there, yeah. All right. So let's see, everybody. There's a few details we should probably leave you with. Uh, everything we talked about today is linked at coder.show slash 332. You can also get RSS subscription links at coder.show slash subscribe. And um, go follow Mr. Dominic on the Twitter at Dumanuko on the Twitters. He's over there. You can follow him. I'm at Chris LAS. What else? Anything else you want to mention before we get out of here? No, um, happy trails, Chris. Let's hope yeah. let's all make it back in one piece yeah. without any kind of cloaking devices. Safe, yeah, safe travels to you as well. And uh, remember that the Klingons can detect if you're using a universal translator. So you've got to read it from the book directly. You've got to read it True. directly. That's well, as we all have learned. We've all learned that. All right. Well, I guess that's everything I'll say. If you want to know when we're doing this show live, we'd love to have you. If the streams are working at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar, that's where you can go to see our live schedule. And of course, we'd love to hear your thoughts on Twitter, but there is that subreddit. We check it before every show, and that's just as valid as a way to get your feedback. That's coderadio.reddit.com. Although if you don't like Reddit and you still want to get your feedback in, tell you what, just for you, just for you, coder.show slash contact, but just for you. All right, thanks for joining us. See you back here next week.